0: We are continuing our sermon series in God's sovereign grace through Paul's epistle to the Ephesian Christians. And our verses of focus this morning will be verses 9 and 10, but I'm going to read, as I've been doing the last several weeks, verses 3 through 14, because if we were looking at this at the original language in Greek, it would be all one sentence, verse 3 through 14. This is God's holy Inerrant and authoritative word to us this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will To the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Almighty God, it is to the praise of your glory for all that you have done in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we approach your word and ask that you show us the wonderful mysteries of your sovereign grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Whether you or I realize it, we all have a worldview. We all have a worldview. What is a worldview, you may ask? Is that just one of those pastor words that you guys throw around? A worldview is a way in which we view and interpret the world around us. Everyone has a worldview. And everyone's worldview has a few basic questions that it asks in one form or another. These questions are, who am I? Why am I here? And and where is it all going? What's the point of life? These are different questions we have in our worldview. As a church, and if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are called to have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview uses the Bible, the Scriptures, And the scriptures alone to view and interpret the world around us. Now, it's important, you know, the church kind of gets a bad rap when we say that we have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview doesn't mean that we don't believe in science. We love science. We believe science helps us understand and learn about God's created order. We see science as a way to see God's beauty around us. But having a biblical worldview does mean that we don't look at the universe to try to get our answers for meaning. We don't go to Fox News or Google or Oprah to help us understand the big questions in life, to help us understand the world. But when it comes to this big question of a worldview of where is it all going, or what's going to happen at the end of human history, we go to the scriptures. And it is here that we find these big questions being answered for us, especially in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. We'll be taken up to the heavenly realms and see God's great plan for this world. So let's remember that verses 3 through 14, as I read at the beginning, it's one grand majestic tour of God's sovereign grace. We're seeing the wonders of God played out before us in his sovereign grace over us. We remember that before the foundation of the world, he chose us. He chose those who would be adopted to him, who would be holy and blameless before his sight. We see that before the foundation of the world, again, he adopted us through Jesus Christ and accompanying that great work that he has done in our life. Through the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he redeemed us from our sins. And all of this great work in Ephesians 1 is showing us God's grand and final purpose. What is God's grand and final purpose in electing and adopting children before the foundation of the world who would be redeemed in Jesus Christ? Why is God doing these things? These are the questions that will be answered for us in verses 9 and 10. But before we answer these questions, we need to understand what God is up to in human history. We need to understand what God is doing on this earth that we now live in. And so in keeping with the biblical worldview, we must understand what the scriptures teach about what god is up to and what he is doing we know we've heard proclaimed this morning we've heard prayed we've sung that christ has died and that he has forgiven us of our sins through his death we know the bible teaches us that christ will have the final victory one day and that satan will be crushed he will be defeated and destroyed we know that god is all-powerful and all-knowing he's a sovereign god and even though we know these things, we also know that we live in a world of sin. We live in a world that has death. We live in a world that is evil. And these things leave leave us longing for a, for a better hope, for a better place, for a better reality where these things don't exist. So how do we understand these things with a sovereign and loving and powerful God and yet an evil and sinful world that we live in. To understand these things, we need to understand this tension that exists between knowing that God is in control, but yet knowing that we live in a fallen world. And I find it helpful to understand this tension through, and I'm going to, forgive me, take you to seminary this morning, through understanding what the theologians call the ICC. The ICC is an acrostic that stands for Inauguration, Continuation, and Consummation. So the ICC, Inauguration, Continuation, Consummation. This is a biblical framework. This is a way to understand biblically what the meaning and the goal of history is, what God is up to, what he's doing in this world. So when we speak of the meaning or kind of the final goal of of history, What we're talking about is eschatology. There's another one of those seminary words, sorry. Eschatology. Where is it all going? What's the point? What's the end goal? The New Testament has an eschatological outlook. It's looking forward to something. It's it's all pointing to something. It's all going somewhere as we read the scriptures. So with regard to this ICC, the Bible teaches us that In Christ, God's final plan has been inaugurated. In Christ, God's final plan has begun. Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross. And so God's kingdom has come. But yet God's kingdom is still working. God's plan is continuing. It's ongoing right now in human history, in the day and age of the church that we live in right now. And God's plan will be consummated. God's plan will be completed at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he returns. So even though God's plan in history, God's wonderful grand plan of salvation, has not reached its conclusion, even though God's wonderful plan has not reached its final consummation, its completion, the content of this great mystery, Paul says, has now been revealed to us. God's great plan in verse 10 is to exalt the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and unite all things together in him. And so let's look at this text and look at God's grand final plan in Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 10. And the first thing, again, that we learned is that God's plan has been inaugurated. In verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, God has made known the mystery of his will. In the New Testament, the word mystery is a very important word. This word is not referring to Christianity as kind of like a mystic religion. Christianity is not a mystery in that it's only known to a few. Only a few people can understand it and know about it. No, the apostle proclaims the mystery of God, the great wonders of God have been made known to us. We know because Christ has come. We know because God has revealed himself through his word. And so when Ephesians uses the word mystery, it is referring to something that cannot be completely comprehended by just human intelligence alone. Because we have to remember that our intelligence, our minds... They're fallen. They're sinful. They're not operating at the optimal level. They're not firing on all cylinders. And so the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to us the great mystery of God so that we can know it and so that we can believe it. So the mystery of God's will, God's final plan is given to us. Look there in verse 10. Please look there. God's plan is that when time and history merge together in eternity, he will unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. There it is. This verse is utterly amazing. Think about this. Here it is. Here's where it's all going. God is showing us. He's taking us up to the heavenly realms and saying, here it is. Here's my grand final purpose Here's my sovereign plan in all of life in human history right here in verse 10. God is going to take his world and he's going to take his heaven and he is going to bring them all together and he's going to unite them in the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. There's nothing greater than this purpose. There's nothing more awesome that we could study or learn this morning or forever this is the ultimate thing that there is. God is going to make all things new, and He's going to do it all through Christ. The great final plan and purpose of God has been revealed to us, and it has been inaugurated, has begun in Jesus Christ. But in verse 10, we see where God's plan has not only been inaugurated, it's begun, but it's continuing. We're in that continuing phase right now. In verse 10, when Paul mentions that in the fullness of time, God revealed this. What the apostle is saying, and what this phrase means is the way of stating that God's plan is not finished. God's plan is in process for your life, for this world, for the goal of everything. And so we live in this time between the inauguration of God's plan And the completion of God's final plan. This stage is our present reality. It's where we live in this world right now. It's the continuing phase of God's plan. Some theologians call it the already but not yet. God's kingdom has already come in Christ. But it's not yet completed. It's not yet consummated. So it's important to realize biblically that the moment that God's the Son left the throne room of heaven and became a man and entered into our time, into into human history, the last days have now started. Did you know that? Did you know that we now live in the end times? That is the world in which we find ourselves. We can say this with certainty because all the major prophecies, all the grand work of God's salvation and redemption that he is going to do has been accomplished in Christ. And so the next big thing to take place in biblical history is for Christ to return. And for him to come and to make all things new and bring all things together in heaven and on earth when he will be king forever and ever. That is... Where we live, that is where we find ourselves. All that God has done, all that he is doing, all that he's going to do is in Christ. Notice how Christ-centered all of this is. Notice how we can't even read a phrase without talking about Jesus and all the wonderful things that God is going to do in and through Jesus. Christ is the center of life. He's the goal of everything. And that's why we must have a biblical worldview. Christ is all in all. We can never mention his name too much. We can never talk about him too much. We can never give Jesus enough credit. We can never cease to give him all the glory and praise. Because the moment we stop doing this, the moment we take our eyes off of Christ, that is the moment that we lose hope. That is the moment that we lose sight of everything that God is doing. So Paul proclaims in Colossians, For by him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Where we live now. Christ rules, he reigns, and he is continuing his work. Until we look forward to that day that it will all be consummated. God's final plan is to unite all things of the earth and the universe and the seen and the unseen all together in Christ, the apostle tells us in verse 10. So going back to our worldview questions, going back to analyzing our worldview. We might ask, why am I here? Why do I even exist? We answer these questions by biblically affirming that God created the world. And he created you. He created every one of you. He created this world for a purpose. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, before we get to Genesis chapter 3, God's world was perfect. There was this awesome harmony. God and man were in perfect relationship and fellowship with each other. There was no sin. Heaven and earth were in a sense combined. But after a cosmic rebellion and the fall of man into sin, we had been separated from God. Genesis tells us we no longer have access to the tree of life. We are spiritually dead with no way of earning our way back to God's favor. And so God did what we couldn't do. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a way. And he was going to reunite him to himself by redeeming us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So here again is the mystery revealed to us. God is going to unite everything once more again, like it was back in the beginning. And he's going to do it all through Christ. That is his final glorious plan. In Philippians, Paul says, Therefore God exalted him to the... And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then the Apostle John gives us this peek into what this consummated, this final glory will look like in Revelation 21. When he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is what God is going to do in Jesus Christ. That is his final plan. And so I ask you this morning, Do you know these things? Do you know these things? Do you know these truths are so great, so wonderful, so majestic, so powerful that you will never know or hear of anything greater than all of the world? Do you know these things? Knowing that God will complete his final plan. Knowing that he will finish his purpose for this world. Let's, let's spend less time reading the news Let's spend less time worrying about what we read on the internet. Let's spend more time reading our Bibles and crying out with the New Testament writers, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Understanding these things, believing these things, studying these things, allows us to look at the world around us and remain calm and carry on. Is that what the t-shirt says? Because God is in control. He is sovereign over everything. He is completing His plan. It is certain. What matters the most in this life and in the life to come is that Jesus is the King. And those who love Him, those who believe in Him, will be with Him forever and ever. And we will one day get to join the chorus of heaven In Revelation 5, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We will praise Jesus. How glorious this will be. How awesome this will be. There is nothing more wonderful. There is nothing greater that I could ever tell you. And so before us is a reminder of that. For us is a meal of remembrance, it's a tangible means of grace, it's a way in which God will use our senses that he gave to us to taste and to see that Jesus is good, that he died and that he is king and that he will return one day and complete his work, uniting all things together in him, just as he said he will do. And so let's praise God from whom all blessings flow. For in the fullness of time, God will complete this work he has begun and bring all things together in Christ. Let's worship him and praise him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how wonderful these things are, how awesome they are. And how, Lord, we confess to you how few times we spent meditating on them and thinking about them, but we know, Lord, that you have begun an amazing work by sending your one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he lived and he died and he rose again, he is at your right hand, he is ruling and reigning over everything, and that he will come again. The Lord, help us to long for that glory, help us to long for that day when the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll and the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend and we shall behold with our eyes this wonderful, awesome thing that you will do in Christ. We praise you and thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen.